is Hard Parking, brought to you by Wright Honda and Wright Toyota out of Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm your host, Jay Finney. Matt, the Motorier D'Andrea, joins us today to talk about the Ford F-150 Lightning. That thing is pretty cool. And we also get into a new seltzer. There is a new seltzer in the game. Will this be the one that doesn't give me the Asian flush? Also did a little off-roading this weekend, and we had the One Auto Through the Lens event this weekend. So all that and more is coming up after this word from Four Wheel Online. Jay Finning here, and I want to tell you guys about Four Wheel Online. For over a decade, Four Wheel Online has been bringing the best truck accessories and truck parts to enhance the appearance and performance of all trucks and SUVs. They are dedicated to providing an extensive range of upgrades that will match any maker model on the road. Their truck products cover everything you need to give your truck a custom look and added functionality. And if you need a tire and wheel package, head over and use the configuration tool. They carry all the major brands of wheels and tires, so we'll get outfitted today. So visit them online at 4 Online or call them at 813-769-2451. Again, that's 4Wheel Online, the number 4Wheel Online. So as I mentioned in the opening, we just did the one auto event called Through the Lens, Mimi, Ride or Die, which you guys are very familiar with at this point. Local event promoter, been on this podcast quite a few times. She took the idea and she ran with it. She came to me and said, hey, I want to do it. And I said, I don't think it's a good idea. And she said, I want to do it. So I said, okay, run with it. So she ran with it. Great event. We're going to talk about that next week because of the special guest we have this week. But just know it was a fantastic event. So thank you, everybody, who came out to support the One Auto Movement as we try to take the car community to the community. We will have more events this year. But first, Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea. This conversation is brought to you by The Cell Shop, an Arizona-based retailer that strives to be your destination of choice for wireless service, whether Arizona or Washington State. They are an authorized AT&T dealer, so visit them at cellshop.us and get connected today. Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, welcome back to the pod, man. Hey, man. Thanks so much. How are you? Any better, I'd be you. Sitting back on that bravado, <laughs> kind of holding it back from the rest of the masses, getting to do all this cool Ford shit. Yeah. Well, playing around with some car stuff, that's the fun stuff. Getting into the beverage business is a, is a pain in the butt, but we're going we're gonna to make a run for it. We're going to try to make it happen. Well, as long as I don't get really bad Asian flush, and we can talk about that <laughs> if you want later. I'm, I'm, I'm game. Like I like supporting stuff that are that come out from people that I've been able to meet or talk to or, or form friendships with. Um, with regard to the car game real quick, I've, you know, you'll pull up with some badass, whatever, like 600 horsepower EV Jaguar or something. I'm like, oh, I could, I could do that. And I'll go borrow someone's like 2008 V6, uh, Mustang or something and be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do my Matt thing this weekend too. So I'm right behind you, buddy. That's, that's most of what I do is I just drive all kinds of cars, just all sorts of cars. It doesn't have to be super fancy. It's just, you're the, you just notice the fancy ones. You don't care about my boring cars. That's why. That's pro- <laughs> there's probably some truth to that. Yeah. But I think, I don't know. There's, there's a pecking order to this. There's levels to it, you know? And so, you know, somewhere, I mean, I don't know, supercar blondie or something gets to do all these crazy other things, but I don't know. We kind of represent kind of the purity of it. Not to say she's not pure, but. You know, I want to know about something that I can go out and buy that's being released to the dealership soon, not something that I have to sit there and daydream about all day or, or watch you know, Instagram videos on. Yeah. So wait a minute. Did you sell your NSX? I did. Yes. That thing, I sold it to a good friend of mine here local who's kind of a, he's kind of one of those friends that you have. It's kind of a car flipper, but they 
enjoy the car and they always, when they do sell it, it's always better than when they got it. And it's one of those things, right? You, you make that transaction, but you can't care when you make that transaction. And it was one of those things that, you know, no public announcements have been made, but it's one of those things that kind of had to happen for something else to eventually happen. And, you know, you were hanging out, we were in Monterey last year. So you kind of know what's, what's coming down the road, hopefully a lot sooner than later. But but why sell the NSX? It was such a big part of your identity, you know, I guess, for a while, right? You did so much with it, and events, and the crazy wraps, and it went through these different iterations. It seemed like a thing. Like, so are you going to be doing another project? Are you going to do, do another car and give it a whole life like you, you did know, with the NSX? That's a solid question, and I thought about it a lot. And years ago, I had an old Integra. And that Integra, we're talking 99, 2000, 2001, had it turbo, blew the turbo, got it fixed, all that kind of stuff. And even back then, before all this social media shit, that became like kind of my identity. And I was kind of going through some things. I wanted to, re, you know, kind of uh, restart a lot of the social circles. And so I sold the car. And it's like, okay, you guys don't need to know me for the car, know me for me. I've had a lot of fun with the NSX, a lot of fun with that car. It was a dream car, I had it for nine years. And truth be told, I mean, I did a lot of changes to it, and I kind of lost the purity of the car. Like, had it been bone stock, I may have either I may have sold it sooner, or I may still have it. But I felt that I kind of took that as far as I wanted to take it, as far as I could, without completely revamping it and just dumping a bunch of money into it. And then, as kind of a car guy, and some people have disagreed with me with this online, and they can disagree all they want, but I felt that. Like I wanted other cool cars. I wanted to experience more. And it was it's okay to look back and say, like, damn, you know, I love that NSX. I had a lot of fun with it. Now it's somebody else's. But I had to be sure that I wouldn't look back and say, I should have never sold that car. I missed that car. And it's okay to miss things. Like, you can miss an ex-girlfriend or an ex-whatever, a favorite job or whatever. But I don't know. It's all about kind of, like, writing it out to to as far as I think I could and just kind of moving on to something else, another project, another another nice car. I think I'm done owning vehicles, though, for years and years and years, unless I get so financially stable that I can afford to have two or three. You know, you have, like, that main car and that project car, kind of like your truck, and and then, yeah. you know, a couple of the Mustangs laying around, just other things, because, honestly, I tell people this. I'm not chasing the brand new, like a new, uh, like a Porsche GT3 or anything. I mean, it'd be nice, but there's cars out there that I want that only cost, like, $10,000. So, you know, whatever I slide into, I'm going to slide into it and have fun with it. You know, because I was going to say, why sell cars at this point if you, unless you have to financially, sure. right? Which we, we've all been there or, or in there in that position where, you know, maybe you want to sell something. Yeah, you know, you can't buy something new unless you sell something. But if you can, then why sell it at all? If you've got the space to put it and you can afford to get something else, maybe keep it a little, a little longer. But also with your car having, you know, done so much with the car uh, why not go out with some fanfare why just sell it to you know the guy down the street and not a big bring a trailer or auction thing that's also another good question are we are you am i on your is this is this shift steer media or <laughs> <laughs> is this hard parking no but that's a, yeah, it's a good well, question welcome welcome to the car cast podcast i thought flip the script on you yeah so, no uh, now i want to know like why not put that car on bring a trailer and see how crazy it goes? You know, um, I, I thought about it, but it, it, it had been through so much. I think the time for me to do something like that would have been when it was still wrapped. 
And I brought it up at the time, and I kind of did like this poll between my friends, and it came back 50-50. I said, you know, I could make an argument that this vehicle is worth more right now than it would be if I removed all this shit and took the wrap off. And then some people say, yeah, I can see it. And this people say, no freaking way. The reason why I would say it could have been, and I don't think, I mean, I don't think Bat would have, would have accepted it like, like that, but there are so many crazy deep pocket rich people out there that want something that's so unique and similar or unique that reminds them of their childhood. And so from that aspect, I think it would reach deeper pockets, maybe not as many people, you know, that niche, that perfect, perfect person. But then reverting mm-hmm. it back to the way it is now, which it looks great, but it has a, like a lot of little things, right? Like nobody knows how your car, how much your car really needs except for you. But since it has been so modified, you know, different color interior, different front clip, different this, different that, um, the purists come out. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know if I wanted to see, I don't know if I wanted to see it go for fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars less than I got for it, or if I wanted to see it go for twenty, thirty thousand, forty thousand dollars more because I knew what I kind of needed from it. And I just yeah, didn't want okay. to put it on public display. It's like, okay, I already have like five people that want to buy it that I know are good for it. They're not just because everybody wants to buy your shit until it's for sale. You know, I'm sure you know about that. Yeah, right. Everybody, right? oh man, let me know when it's for sale. Hey man, it's for sale. oh man, I, I wish I would have known last week. And I got to buy a house. It's like, okay, cool. You know, so that's that's why I just kind of I try not to dwell over it, especially when I see all these other prices keep dropping or not hammer drop. Price is going up, and I'm just like, shit, man! I can't believe I sold mine for, for this. I I, I squeezed five thousand dollars more from my buyer because I said, dude, this Rav Four just went online for this amount, brand new. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. man, you can't compare your car to a Rav Four. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's the market, it's not the car, but I'm okay yeah. with it. I got what I wanted for it. I got what I had it insured for, you know, through Grundy, and it's just something that had to happen. All right, well then you're happy with it. Then no big deal. I'm Move okay on. with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. Then you sold it. You got a good deal. Yeah. You know, all these articles and shit keep coming out, you know, and then I had a, I had a, a solid conversation with a guy, you know, who's one of the top NSX guys in, in the United States, John Vassos, who's, uh, has, he's terminally ill with cancer, uh, stage four mesothelioma. And he's talking about his, his passion for the car. And I mean, he's got the passion for the car. And when I'm having this conversation with him, I'm like, shit, man, now you're making me kind of regret selling the car. But, you know, I don't regret it. I'll never regret it. I don't care if they start selling for $300,000 next year, the, even the, the shitty ones. It's, it's over. It's done. I can't dwell about the past. Yeah. Well, those stories are always fun to say because everyone is like, you can tell a good story with hindsight. But, you know, uh, you never really know. I mean, sure. these days we start to see what's going on in the marketplace but we don't know if something's if the market's going to crash we don't know how much higher it's going to go but you know i was at pete brock's house and you know pete brock uh designer in the space designed mm-hmm. split window corvette and and i'm sure you know pete and yep. you know designed the shelby daytona coupe and you know after shelby and the guys raced those things they, you know, they didn't want to bring them back to the United States because of the, the fee to bring them back. They were going to just get rid of them. They couldn't give those cars away. And they offered them up to the team, you know, They're like, hey, Pete, you want you want this car? Give me, you know, a couple grand or even a few hundred bucks or whatever it was for the car. And he's like, eh, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know where to put it. And now, 
now we're talking millions and millions of dollars, <laughs> right? So, but how would you know at the time? Right. You know, like we, we'd like to think we know now, especially about the car market, because we've had years and years of car auctions and valuations and things go up, but we don't know what the next thing is going to be, right? We don't know if the next thing is going to be I don't know, a Bitcoin or something else or like, or, or even electric cars, like our Tesla is going to be super collectible in 30 years. Uh, we don't know that. Or they could all be junk. Are they going to go, you know, listen, they, the GM, like EV one, I think that's starting to, to pop in value. People are like, I want the original EV car. Right. You know, and I, I don't know if it was any good, probably wasn't very good. And I think, the story behind them was like they were all leased and so GM could get them back and like crush them because they were for whatever reason. And there's probably a handful that are out there and I'm sure they're going to go for, for pretty big money. You know, I just, just had a Tesla model three for a weekend and you know, one of my good friends thought I was really hard on the car and I was like, well, you know, I was just trying to kind of keep it real. My first time through it, you know, entry level, you know, EV, the technology was fantastic. The build quality was kind of shit, you know, and if I were to have gotten one, I would have to get one that's a little more decked out, except for I don't want to spend that kind of money on on a car like that, that there's 10 of them on every corner. But do you think, because as we get, we're going to talk about the Ford Lightning, Ford F-150 Lightning here, which is really mm-hmm. exciting. But I had asked the question a few weeks ago, and it's like, Teslas are everywhere now. Are they always going to lead or are they eventually going to be just known as a car that really made it popular? But as everybody else decides to spend a little bit more time with their build quality and a little bit more time listening to, you know, all of their consumers, not just, you know, the, the people who run errands and go fast as hell for no real reason. You know, as they start listening to the community and, and they're designed by real, you know, not to say Elon Musk isn't a car person. I think he's a transportation person, but I don't care if he had a McLaren, you know, F1. But by actual car people who care about that, the feedback, you know, is, is Tesla just going to maybe fall to the back? Or are they going to eventually step their game up instead of just being kind of the uh, not I mean, Toyota Camry, such a nice car now. I hate to say the Toyota Camry of the streets, but they're kind of everywhere. Like, what do you think? Do you think they're actually going to continue to lead or they're going to kind of take a, a few steps back here? Uh, they... They're going to have a lot of competition in the next two years, and they're going to have way more than that in the next five years. Yeah. So, um, they're, you know, they're always going to go down as sort of the the mainstream originator, right? Yeah. They're they're the ones that took EV and made it uh, a big thing, uh, you know, certainly an attainable thing. Um, you know, I I think you're going to see that car, you know. F- at the Peterson museum in an EV exhibit at some point, you might see an EV one and a Fisker karma or something like that. Right. Uh, but where will it go from there? I guess the question is, it depends on how much the government continues to force the EV thing down our throats. Right. (laughs) Right. If, 2035 is right around the corner. If all cars have to be EV, then there's still a lot more market share for Tesla available, right? But if that's not going to be the case, then, you know, 
they still have a lot of growth potential in front of them. And if they continue to innovate with cool products and, and compete with, you know, the other companies that are out there, uh, I think they'll continue to become a big company. You know, then you can have different discussions about stock price and things like that. Will that stock price settle? Will it continue to go? Like, sure, it's it's wildly inflated. And does that make sense to be, you know, that inflated? You know, whatever. So that's a, a kind of a different issue. Yeah, it's um, just going to fall. It'll, fall be, it'll be interesting. Look, I mean, we're all pushing EVs, but obviously there's a whole different conversation to have about how are we charging these EVs and where is this power coming from and and what does the grid look like and yep. our, is our infrastructure there and then what are we doing with the batteries and how much are they, you know, how much mining are we doing to get the batteries built and how much of that battery can be recycled. Like there's a whole world surrounding the EV car. Uh, and it's very easy for for us as consumers or politicians to go, but it's cleaner on the street. You know, it's clean sure. air. Like there's no exhaust emissions, and we all kind of like that idea. But there's there's a whole different infrastructure kind of surrounding the actual car that you know <laughs> uh, we we would have thoughts about. You know, but there's hydrogen, you know, hydrogen power, it's like an <laughs> right. EV, but you're carrying around your own battery power source, right? Uh, e-fuels, which are very interesting, sounds very interesting to me. Uh, all the uh, testing and stuff that's going on with like Porsche and some of the other companies on e-fuel. This is a, a clean burning fuel that we make, uh, which is also high octane. So that's good for that's our good performance, <laughs> you know, for our performance cars. And uh, and we have an infrastructure, right? Because it's a liquid fuel. It's an e you know, it's an e-fuel we can put, I believe we, we can retrofit, not retrofit, but we can put it in older cars because it would burn similar to the gasoline that we have with gas pumps now, uh, but also be a clean alternative for future cars. If, you know, so are we trying to make everything EV for, for emissions? If so, then there are other alternatives, right? you know? Um, anyway, it's an interesting discussion because right now, like you said, uh, you know, California, I'm in California, our rules are very strict and, you know, by, I don't know, something like 2025, 50% of new car sales need to be EV and by 2035, no combustion None. engines will be sale for sale at all, but, uh, rules change all the time. And between now and then they could go, oh, well what we meant was, you know, it can be hydrogen powered or it can be e-fuel powered. It could be whatever. Like ultimately it has to, you know, it, we've got some time to, to change those rules. <laughs> right. Let's talk about this uh, Ford F-150 lightning. Yeah. I watched the little Seems video and, and read a few uh, articles on it. Watched the video like 10 times because Ford's really good at kind of getting you excited at whatever it is they're pushing for years now. Uh, that's an exciting little clip. It's like a minute and a half long, and this thing's already filled with with things that I like. I preferred over it from the Tesla that I drove. Um, what are your thoughts of this thing? Are you getting one? I mean, I love the fact that it's like a full. It's a Ford F one fifty, but electrified. Yeah. So that's the first thing is, do you take something from the ground up like a Rivian or a Tesla, or do you take the best-selling vehicle in America, the F-150, and you electrify it, right? Right. And 
you know, Tesla or uh, Ford is selling almost a million trucks a year. It's like 900 and something thousand trucks a year. And they have orders, not just orders, but actual builds of more than 10% of their entire F-150 line. They're going to make something like 150 or 160,000 uh, first run trucks. And they want that number to increase over time. Obviously, they do. That's the, the lightning. Yeah. Current now, model year is sold out according to the, the, the fine print too. Contact your local dealer. Yes, I think they said they've got 200,000 trucks that they need to make, and they're definitely going to make uh, like 160,000 in, in the first year. That's uh, Look, they were going to make 90,000 or 80,000, and they're doubling the capacity. Right. And they rushed to get it done. Uh, today was Ford's big presentation uh, about the factory and how they – completely rebuilt it and expanded it and and they did it today because today the first ford lightnings are rolling off the assembly line and being shipped to dealers to customers right so it was very exciting to see yeah. on, the, on the from the customer standpoint uh, but that being said i think it i i think it's uh i think it looks pretty good i think it's going to be kind of interesting i'm actually not too interested in ev vehicles i mean i i like many of them from the performance aspect uh i still think we're just right around the corner we're two years away from everything probably being a 500 mile range instead Mm -hmm. of you know 250 to 300 mile range but you know like you i do a podcast and we talk about automotive stuff all the time so i kind of felt like it might be interesting to have an EV and drive one on a fairly daily basis and offer some opinion and feedback. So, uh, yes, I did order a Ford Lightning. Um, I've had the order open for a while. Um, they sent me an email a little while ago saying there was going to be a bit of a delay. Uh, not with the F-150 Lightning in general, but the package that I ordered. Um, I think they're trying to prioritize which vehicles. And what I mean by that is is uh, finding the right combination of, you know, the fully loaded Platinum Edition and a fair amount of pro trucks, you know, for workers and, you know, just the white two-door or the white four-door with two-wheel drive and the right. short-range battery or, you know, something like that, the, the worker truck. Right. So how many, how many 40, $41,000 trucks do they want to get out the door? And then how many $93,000 trucks do they want to get out the door? Um, and uh, I, I ordered one that is a little bit more well-equipped. And I think for that reason, uh, I'm going to be bumped <laughs> on down the list. Uh, I, I was told September delivery, but probably more like October or November. But I, I'm not too worried about it. It's just it's going to get here when it's going to get here. What kind of options do you have with that thing? I mean, probably a bigger you know, battery pack, more range. You know, so there's yeah, there's, so there's two battery packs. There's a standard battery range and the extended battery range, and you can get two wheel drive and four wheel drive. Uh, and then from there, you have a lot of options like you would on an F one fifty. You know, there's so many variations of the F one fifty, but 
for the sake of what we're talking about, we're looking at a standard battery range of about 230 miles, the extended range of 320 miles, unless you get like a fully loaded all-wheel drive truck, then it's about 300 miles. Um, and that's probably what mine is going to come in at, is about a 300-mile range. There's the dual motor, um, you know, all-wheel drive version and the two-motor version, and they come in at about 426 horsepower oh. and 563 horsepower. The torque is about the same at 775. Uh, I believe during the presentation, they said it'll tow 10,000 pounds. I don't know what the range is on towing 10,000 pounds, right. but but the extended range all-wheel drive truck, eh, who knows? Uh, that that truck would do zero to 60 in four seconds. That's, that's insane. Know? So it's, you know, and you just drove a Tesla, so it's also the sensation of speed. So when you do it and you don't really hear anything, you're like, it's kind of like a roller coaster. It's like, like an electric roller coaster. You're like, it's just moving weight. You know, it's interesting. These, uh, it's the electric motor. Uh, yeah. Cause it's kind of like the gas engine cars that we drove that we still drive. The engine has to make power with RPM and move the vehicle with the EVs. It just moves the vehicle. Right. <laughs> right? So it's already got like its full torque on the low end. Uh, so I don't know. It's just the whole idea of, of EV is certainly interesting. Certainly from my point of view, I see it interesting as a performance benefit. So you know, when we, when we look at, I don't know, law Ferrari and McLaren P1 and some of the crazy supercars that are coming out, they're using gas engine, even in the NSX, right? The right. new NSX, we're using Super gas hybrids. engine and, and turbos and, that gives us all of our mid and high end horsepower, but then we're filling in that low range where you would get turbo lag and low speed. You're filling that in with electric motors, right? Which is immediate torque, right? That's how these things can go so quick. It's crazy. Which, I don't know. I, I kind of love that idea of going, Hey, I'm going to get a high winding, you know, 8,500, 9,000 RPM turbo V8 engine, you know, even small, configuration four liter engine which is kind of small for for v8 and then go oh this thing's gonna be crazy it's gonna go 205 miles an hour and it's it's gonna haul ass you know but now you you want that zero to 60 performance to experience it and of course to brag about it and you fill in that blank you fill in that that torque lag that turbo lag with electric motors right yeah, that's kind of fun no it's super cool um, so on this on this little video they're showing, you know, you can power your campsite. So my question is almost, you know, how far can you tow a ten thousand you know pound vehicle? I'm thinking, you know, how how long can you power your campsite? But another question is, is basically the same power pack as they used in the Ford F one fifty, you know, last year when Texas froze over? Is it like the same thing? And they're kind of throwing it on, or is this some sort of a newer feature that's that's different than that little generator? Do you know? Yeah, it's not it's not in particularly like a newer feature. It's just because of the EV uh, okay, and the yeah. Lightning. It has a much bigger battery, so the kilowatt capacity is much larger. You can get the whatever it's the Power Boost or something or the Pro Power. I think it's the Power Boost. You can buy the hybrid F one fifty, and you still got all the outlets in the in the bed right. of the truck, and you can power your campsite. And that particular truck, when it needs to, it'll fire up the engine and charge the battery again, so you can get you know, you can get quite a, an operation going out there for a few days. 
uh, empower your campsite. With the Lightning, now it doesn't have the engine, so it can get a much bigger battery. And, uh, and you know, as you said, power your campsite that way as well. Under this configuration, the standard battery and the extended battery, it's like an 11.3 kilowatt and I think a 19.2 kilowatt battery, um, you know, depending on the input and output. Also, campsites aren't the same as they were when I was a kid based on this commercial. Like when I was a kid, you have the <laughs> little Coleman lander and you're pumping it, pumping it. And that's like the only source of light in this commercial. They have like cafe lights like I have in my backyard and they stream that thing up. So, Listen, I, I went out to the <laughs> to the F-150 hybrid thing with the smaller battery. And, and they're like, hey, they had like a campsite set up as part of Ford's demo. And it was cool because they're like, oh, no, we've got string lights hanging and we've got a 42 inch flat screen tv <laughs> and an electric smoker like a meat smoker and like you can run this all weekend i was like well that's what i want to do i want to sit in the forest with my flat screen tv and smoking some meat <laughs> right yeah that's not, not making foil packs with fucking uh ground beef yeah. and tomato juice and and oh, i hated those fucking things <laughs> right yeah so it seems the, the truck seems very interesting to me. Now you start to get into this this deal where you know you can power your home with it and things like that. And if you right. have solar power on your home, you know obviously there's a big investment you can make, right? You could you could add the hardware to divert power forward and back from the truck to your home and from the home to the truck. And if your home has solar power sufficient amount, then in theory, you could use the solar power to power up your home. Maybe your home has, your home wouldn't need backup batteries because you can use the truck for that. So you would uh, power up your home uh, via solar. That's crazy. You could charge your truck. And then if you needed power or your power went out, then the truck can put power back into the home. Right. And you can go back and forth and obviously you can plug into the grid and make this happen. But the most appealing thing to me is putting all of those pieces together because we were saying, hey, what, you know, what are we doing with the electronic infrastructure and what's the efficiency of charging a battery mm -hmm. or an EV? You know, but if you have a fairly new home and you added solar power to it and you had enough solar power where you're almost essentially off the grid, well, now it's kind of interesting to me because now you can be completely self-sufficient, right? You can self-sustain. You can use solar power to charge your home and your truck. And then in the case of a, a power outage, you can go the other way. <laughs> you can use, you can, you know, the backup battery for your house is the truck. You know, by the way, backup batteries for your house are really expensive. Right. So if you could do it with the truck, right. then that's cool. Also over the air updates like Tesla and then from the charging portion of it i mean are these are these 110 and 220 or are you forced to get like a 220 or are you, are you forced to get like the proprietary thing for your home although i know there's a there's a power grid out there that you're rumored to have to pay a little extra money for but it's out there the blue oval charge network you anything about that yeah so that's a partnership with other companies so oh i see um, on on ford's app you can find charging stations and it will find any charging station that's basically uh, one of their partners or in their network. Obviously, any charging station that is not Tesla. Uh, but Ford has worked out deals as well that when you when you pay like through the Ford app, there's a discounted rate. 
So there are some free okay. charging stations. And then there are some that you would pay and Ford has tried to work out a discount program for, for those orders. At some point you'll be able to go to Amazon and buy like a fucking universal connector where you can just go up in anywhere and kind of put this little thing in, in the middle of in charge your vehicle, no matter what it is, well, probably. Uh, listen, uh, uh, Adam Crollo, I do my my show with CarCast. He has a Lincoln Aviator Hybrid. It's a plug-in hybrid. It only mm. gets like 20, 22 miles on a charge. But um, at his house, he, you know, the wife has a Tesla. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, how do I plug my aviator into the Tesla? And yeah, he bought like, a dongle basically it's just a, a it's a it's an adapter i don't know it's probably like a you know 20 inch long plug adapter with and it allows him how i understood it, it allows him to plug his tesla charger into any other ev car right because it uses the universal right you know you know 240 or 220 or whatever we're doing now uh plug Instead of just plugging it into the 110 outlet, you know, in his garage, which he also can do, and he does do, and it takes longer to to charge, a lot longer. Yeah, it does. But then you got to think about the the infrastructure within your house, and all mm-hmm. the Tesla owners know this already, right? You ha- you put your Tesla charger on the wall, but really, how much power are you getting to the Tesla charger, and what's the gauge wiring that you're getting? Can you get 30 amp, 40 amp, 50 amp, 60 amp? Like how much power can you get into your house or your condo or whatever? And then what is the wiring? Unless you do it all from scratch and bring in a a huge amount of power in there. You know, I've I've got a small warehouse for my offices, my beverage company, and I got some cars in here. You know, and I had the electrician come in and make a few updates. And I said, by the way, you know, get me give me a a 240 plug on the wall over there so I can plug in electric cars. And then he's like, yeah, we're looking at your, you know, the fuse box on the wall and the, and the wires in the building He's like, we can get you about 35 amps, but that's it. He goes, Mm. so if you hung a Ford charger or a Tesla charger on the wall, he goes, we already know where you're going to be tapped out at, you know, it's about Mm. a 35, 35 amp capacity. So you mentioned beverage company. So all it's making me thirsty. All this stuff, all this talk <laughs> is making me thirsty. What's going on with Bravago? Drink Bravago. Yeah, so Bravago is a, a side project we put together about a year ago. Um, it is uh, it, it's a beverage company. Uh, we have a hard seltzer that's coming out uh, any day now. We've got some distribution in in Washington. It'll be available on on our website. Um, you know, getting into the alcohol industry, by the way, is a big pain in the ass. I wouldn't recommend it for anyone. <laughs> but that being said, we've got three fantastic flavors of a hard seltzer that'll be out uh, very soon. And then in the summer, I'm very much looking forward to it. We have a CBD drink that's coming out. There's no alcohol <laughs> and yeah. no THC, but it's a really good quality uh, CBD drink that is going to be much more readily available because it's not alcohol. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 fantastic so you know you want to relax the mind the body it's anti-inflammatory you want to use it as a post-workout drink it's great so we have the uh the hard seltzer um with a little extra kick 5.1 alcohol so if you want to hang out with your buddies or have a cocktail or uh, or use it as a mixer it's a it's a great beverage for that and then if you don't want alcohol we have a great cbd seltzer that's coming out too yeah, I think your average seltzer is like four point something, four point five, four point seven. 
Yeah, you know, everybody comes in about 5% or less. And uh, Bravago, we call it a bold seltzer. Right. And uh, and for that reason, we wanted to make it 5.1% alcohol. But also, we, we wanted to clean up the ingredients as well. You know, it's still, you know, it's 110, 115, 120 calories, depending on the flavor. That's really coming from the 5.1% alcohol. Um, you know, if there's maybe two grams of pure cane sugar in it. There's no stevia. There's no erythritol. None of that crap that makes you feel bloated and makes you shit yourself. Uh, we use some, we use uh, a <laughs> People natural shitting themselves fruit. off of, uh, off of seltzers <laughs> there, Matt. <laughs> I mean, look, if you have a protein bar, you're right. like, God, oh, my stomach's turned. I was like, yeah, because it's packed with the erythritol. Right. And, and the sugar alcohols but so we use monk fruit to give it a nice unique flavor it helps really sweeten it up um but uh without really screwing up your stomach um but i will tell you this so bravago hard seltzer doesn't taste like any other hard seltzer out Mm. there those all those hard seltzers anybody drinking truly white claw any of that stuff that's fine if you like it drink it um, but for me, it's always been very, very flat on flavor. It's like liquid cardboard. There's not much to it. And we wanted to really kick it up a notch and boost the flavors. Uh, so it is it is, it is definitely different than what is out there. So if you're looking for some actual flavor and you like that little extra kick of the 5.1% alcohol and you don't want all that crap like stevie and erythritol, then you're going to love our stuff. Is it okay? So there's three flavors. Okay, now describe the flavor because I'm as you're as you're saying this, I'm like, okay, does it kind of taste like a not as not sugary like like Kool Aid, but not like a, a seltzer? Like I drink flavored waters, and you have to basically mm-hmm. gulp them to get the flavor out of the water. And of course, with you know with seltzers, usually they have like this funky or you know aftertaste. Not all of them, but you know, yeah. like some of them, it's like, oh wow, that's that's tart, but like this. Compared to something. Yeah, so it doesn't really have the aftertaste because a lot of that comes from the sugar alcohols. Mm-hmm. It comes from the erythritol. So we pretty much fixed that problem. Um, the three flavors we have, uh, we have some funny names. We have Chill Out, Sweet Freak, Sucker Punch are the names. It's uh, Chill Out is our Rainier Cherry. It's a fantastic cherry okay. flavor. Sweet Freak. Sweet Freak is our Vanilla Orange Cream. I just wanted something oh, kind of nostalgic. Okay. Kind of like the creamsicle uh, from the ice cream truck. Uh, mm. It's really good. And Sucker Punch is our strawberry lemon. And, um, you know, it's got natural flavors. Uh, and the, the the monk fruit gives it a little bit of that sweetness pop to it. The Sucker Punch has a little bit of that, that, that sour. It's really good. And, you know, listen, uh, we, we debuted this at a big uh, Barrett-Jackson event right. uh, in the summer. Uh, their Vegas event, um, and we got some great video of a guy that was just like ordering vodka sodas, and he's like, "I want the vanilla orange cream vodka soda." The bartender's like, "I don't know what you're talking about," <laughs> and he was just like making his own, and obviously buying Carson spending money. So the Barry Jackson team loves it, uh, but he was just having the best time ever making his own little cocktail of vodka. And our uh, and our sweet freak drink, um, so uh, yeah, it's good. We just came up with three flavors that I really wanted, uh, that I thought would be good. It's it's it, it, it's very crushable, by the way. Strawberry lemon is the most uh, common, okay. right? Like people, everybody loves a, a right. strawberry lemon, and 
it, it goes down so easy. You'll be three cans into it and be like, oh, I definitely need to order and an you Uber. you stand up and walk around, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you realize it's so refreshing and it's so good. But uh, anyway, that's that's my beverage pitch. I appreciate you bringing it up. But Of course. So this at some point in 22, hopefully this summer, we're going to start seeing uh, Bravago. And it's what Drink Bravago is the uh, the website and also the Instagram for it. Yeah, or Bravago drinks. Dr- Which one is it? It's it's drink Bravago. It's B R A V A G O. Drink Bravago, and yeah, we'll we'll have it up on on the website in just a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll have it in stores in Washington, and we've got uh, distributors getting product into their states, kind of all over the place. So we'll, you know, we'll keep you updated. You can go to the website right now, and you can sign up, and we'll let you know where you can get it. But, well, I'm on that. Uh, list. We're a couple of weeks out. Yeah. We're, we're, we're a couple of weeks out. Listen, at least on the website, it was a big pain in the ass, but you'll be able to buy it and we can ship it to 29 states and we'll have yes. that list available. So you don't even have to get off your couch. You can just That's get it like. set right, right to your door. Um, going to uh, Monterey this year? Yes, uh, going to be going to Monterey. Uh, the Rolex Historics is a race we always enjoy going to. We go to the track. We spend most of the time at the track. Uh, I'll be going up with Adam Carolla. I think the the theme this year at the Rolex Historics is Lama. So mm. you're going to see a ton of that'll be awesome of Lama, you know, classics up there. Uh, it's going to be a very expensive, <laughs> very valuable car collection at the racetrack this year. And I believe um, uh, the Quail event, if you ever get to that, uh, they're going to be doing a couple of things, but they're going to have uh, one of their features is going to be Lama as well. So they're going to have some really, really cool Lama cars and Lama winners on display at the quail. And I think they're doing something with mini Coopers and a couple of other things. Just this past weekend, I was just up at uh, Laguna Seca. Uh, there was vintage racing, some Trans Am racing, and we ran into Gordon McCall, who's just the best. He runs the quail event and he runs the, uh, the, the jet center uh, events as well. Did it rain on you guys? I yeah, know you were talking about it. Yeah. Possibility. So <laughs> yeah, we got a little bit of rain. The, the track was wet. I wasn't driving. Adam Cole was driving. And uh, unfortunately, he had damaged, damaged the car and ended his uh, racing weekend a little bit earlier than what we thought. Yeah. It would have been fine if you had some bravado to kind of sit back after the fact. and. and well, listen, after once he was done racing, we definitely hung out and uh, had a cocktail <laughs> or two or three. That's exciting. Well, this year I'll definitely. Right now, I plan on going. I've already booked, you know, the flight. I've booked the hotel for more than a day too, so you and Adam don't have to give me shit about <laughs> being down there for a day. So, well, you go up and you go to the Acura party, which we love. It's one of the best events up there. But then you don't go to the track. We're like, how are you not going to the track? No, I've gone to the, go track to the track two two of the years for sure, and I tell <laughs> okay. everybody, yeah, I've gone to the track twice, and I've gone to the Quail three out of the five times. I plan on doing both this time around. Yeah, those are the best events. We hit the track, we hit the Acura event, and we hit the Quail. Uh, we try to get to the auctions as well, but those three events are always at the top of our list. We've done all the events, but right. those are the ones we really love doing. Well, cool, Matt, man. Thanks for joining. That's Motorator. Thank you. Anywhere and everywhere. Drink Bravago, and I'll be talking to you soon, and I'll see you in, you know, unless fortunes change i'll see you in five months or so or whatever the math is is it four months four months from now four months it's gonna come up quicker than we think i'm looking forward to it yeah thanks matt cool thanks man 
I want to thank Matt DeAndrea for joining the show, and you can catch up with him at motorator.com. You can hear him on Shift and Steer, which is a podcast he does right next to Bradley Fanshawe and Aaron Hagar, as well as you can catch him on CarCast with Adam Carolla. He's been doing that for, let's see, CarCast has been around for about 11 years. He alternates between Adam Carolla and Bill Goldberg. That's right, Bill Goldberg, the wrestler, is also a big-time car guy. So you that's that's really the only other automotive podcast I listen to is CarCast. And then every once in a while, I'll dip into Shift and Steer. But it's this one or none of them. Other than that, it's just sports. As I mentioned, though, in the opening, we did a little off-roading. Myself, um, Eric Pasha of Last Air Brand, Chad, who's kind of like his right-hand man these days, Yoshi, who you've heard before, my good friend Mike, uh, and also my good friend uh, Kenny. And we took four vehicles out. Now, they wanted me to take the Infinity. I said, hell no. Because you guys remember what happened last time I took the Infinity off-roading. I made it, but it was hairy. It was really hairy. This time, the first half of the trip, piece of cake. I could have done it backwards in the Infinity. We decided to keep going. It's the first mistake. I don't want to say it was a mistake. We did have a lot of fun, although it took up the whole damn day. My alarm went off at 6 a.m., and I did not get home till after 6 p.m. So it was a hell of a day. Longer than I think anyone anticipated. But we're going up these back trails, trailheads, um, a lot of those here in Arizona. And it got really hairy. I would have had just, you would have to airlift me and the Infinity out of there. Because you get to a certain point where you realize, you think it's okay. Uh, as far as we're going in, we have to come back out that way. And we were getting passed by these little Can-Ams and these Polaris Razors. They're just flying by. But we got into some water. We went to Sheep's Bridge, by the way. Sheep's Bridge is just north of the Phoenix area, northeast. More so north of, uh, we have a lake called Bartlett Lake. So it's, it's in the Bartlett Lake area. But the drive there, there's no way I could have made it in my infinity. I was in Yoshi's Tacoma. So we had two Tacomas. One's lifted and proper. We had a you know, Toyota FJ Cruiser. And then Eric brought a Porsche Cayenne. Stock height. Bigger wheels, bigger tires. At least bigger tires on the wheels. And that's the vehicle we were all concerned about. And he was like, it, it performed like a champ. Definitely more capable than my Infinity. But my Infinity is a, it's a road, road vehicle. So halfway through this cruise, we're trying to decide, you know, should, I, should I kind of overland the Infinity out, rally inspired? And I think I'm done with that because it gets to a certain point where you're, you're rolling around, you're driving around, and you're bouncing around in the cabin. And okay, this is cool. I'm over it. Like I'm over it. I don't think I've ever gone on a car cruise and thought to myself, I'm over this. It's like, wow, this is fun. And then on the way back, wow, this is, this is still fun. There's a special type of person who likes doing trails. And they are fun, but I don't, I don't know. But we end up going through some water, like some thick water. So you can catch those videos on, on Instagram. Check the reels. They're all coming. Every single person uh, that, was on the, that went with us has posted them, or will have posted them by the time this comes out. But, you know, it's, it's just like last time. I said it's about, it's about doing something different. You don't always want to do the same thing. And that's why when we did the Arizona Trek cruise last November, we decided, you know, 
we wanted to give people an option. Do you want to take the traditional road course or do you want to go off-roading with the off-road vehicles? And, you know, me, I'm like, eh, let's do the off-road. And I made it. I held up half the people. Like there was, (laughs) I think there was probably 30 of us. And I was somewhere like number 12 or 13 in line. And by the time we got to the the point where the ground was semi-smooth, it was like a mile and a half between us and the group in front. And everybody behind me, like they can't, they can't kind of give me shit the whole time on the radio, but I, it's okay. I, I understood. I deserved it. I said, that's okay, guys. Just give it to me. Give it to me. Because when you do this thing, you have to make sure you're prepared. Prepared, but it wasn't the right vehicle. So whether you want to say we're prepared or not, but we didn't get stuck. If we would have got stuck, that's one thing, but we did not get stuck. And so shoulda, coulda, woulda, we made it, mad respect. Fast forward to this last time, riding with Yoshi, we were crossing waters that went up to the middle of the door. And none of us had done that before. I think maybe, maybe Kenny did. But the rest of us, never done it before. And Mike was nervous as hell as I would have been too, to be completely honest with you, to go through half this shit. Everybody was. But it was a good time. Haven't seen those, haven't hung out with those guys in a long time. That's kind of a, was a core Arizona One Auto Crew. But with all that being said, I do want to thank Right Honda and Right Toyota Scottsdale, Arizona, Four Wheel Online. That would have came in. Like everybody who went with us today can should buy from Four Wheel Online. Four Wheel Online. That's the number four, the word wheel online.com. Cell Shot Wireless Services, Fountain Hills Motorsports. Cannot forget Patreon business supporter Kuya Automotive out of Winter Garden, Florida, and Pell Construction out of Caledonia, Michigan. Also want to thank Mark Stoneman, Catherine Cox, Eddie Ramos, Richard Graves, Byron Jones, Bojang, Alice Gamina, Andrew Bunkley. They are personal Patreons, personal financial supporters of this podcast. So if you're in a position to help the podcast upgrade, and if you would like to, you could join the first little $3 a month and get access to bonus audio as well as show swag. I have a bonus from this episode that only the Patreons can get. Hard Parking Podcast shirts should be coming soon with the new logo. If you have anything for me other than that, you can email me at hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at jfinning. That's J-H-A-E-P-F-E-N-N-I-N-G. If I said that too fast, my name is on the freaking podcast cover. You can also follow me at jtravels, J-H-A-E underscore travels. Join the Hard Parking Violations Facebook group and subscribe to Hard Parking Podcast on YouTube. You know why? Because I can't grow without you telling the world how great the show is. So let's do this. Let's grow this thing together. And I will talk to you all next week. A beater. Shut up!